The final command Jesus gave to his disciples was to go and make more disciples. Since that's our command, every disciple can lead someone closer to Jesus. We all have that ability. But to guide someone on any journey, I can't just know the destination. I also must know where they are currently. We began the Sheep to Shepherd series at Unbelieving, the point furthest from Jesus. The unbelieving person needs to know new options. The next was apprehensive, closer but unsure if they could continue. The apprehensive person needs hope. Then last was confused. The confused person is very close to Jesus and needs instruction. And then there was believing. The believing person needs a relationship with Jesus. We'll end today with a step a person takes after believing. A believer has two ways they can go, one healthy and the other a correctable error. After believing, a disciple should begin to accomplish the will of God. But sometimes after believing, a disciple becomes arrogant. Accomplishing or arrogant, how do I know which path I'm on? A healthy person has confidence. I should know my abilities and be sure in my relationships. When I forget those things, my life suffers and the lives of others I could help suffer. Through high school and even into college, society seemed to push out of my consciousness the fact that I'm intelligent. And so I started to fail. I say it's a fact that I am intelligent, and that's not said out of pride. I know I don't know everything. I do make wrong choices, and there are plenty of people more intelligent than me in general or in specific fields of study. But I'm not dumb. I know how to research and apply what I learn. I learn from my mistakes and the mistakes of others. Once I regained confidence in my abilities, I didn't just succeed in college and seminary. I was able to help my classmates also succeed because smart people seem to find other smart and skilled people and we help each other succeed. I think you are smart enough to know that we don't know, we don't do life well completely on our own and we don't build Jesus' church all on our own either. One of the marks of arrogance is when I forget that despite my intelligence and abilities that I forget that I still need other people, and especially that I need God. The unbelieving person can move towards Jesus. The apprehensive person can move toward Jesus. The confused person can move towards Jesus. The believing person is in a relationship with Jesus. But the arrogant person is moving away from Jesus, doing action all on their own. Today with this sermon, I check myself, and we should all check ourselves, to see if we are accomplishing something with Jesus or acting alone in arrogance, if we are growing ourselves and others, or if we're slipping away. Today our text is Matthew seventeen fourteen through 21 where Jesus casts a demon out that the disciples were unable to cast out. This same event is recorded in Mark nine fourteen through 29 The difference between the two accounts is Matthew focuses on the disciples, while Mark focuses on the man who has brought his son to be healed. I will teach from Matthew's account, but will reference Mark at times. Here's Matthew 17, 14 through 21. When they reached the crowd, a man approached and knelt down before him. Lord, he said, have mercy on my son, because he has seizures and suffers terribly. 
He often falls into the fire and often into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. Jesus replied, You unbelieving and perverse generation, how long will I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring him here to me. Then Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him. And from that moment, the boy was healed. Then the disciples approached Jesus privately and said, Why couldn't we drive it out? Because of your little faith, he told them. For truly, I tell you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will tell this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not come out except by prayer and fasting. In my life, I have been both the man bringing his son and the disciples at the same time. I was driving my car on the freeway and got a flat tire. Inconvenient, but not a problem. I had a spare tire. I had a jack and lug wrench. I had changed tires before. I pulled off to the shoulder, got out my repair items, loosened the lug nuts, jacked up the car, took the lug nuts off the rest of the way, and the wheel would not come off. I didn't understand. I had done everything right. I yanked as hard as I dared on that tire, but it wasn't budging. I had a hammer in my car, so I tried banging on the tire and the rim, but it wasn't moving. As I said, I had changed a flat tire before. I was the person other people called to help them change their flat tire, and now I'm stuck on the side of the freeway with a magical tire rim that doesn't need lug nuts to stay on. I think this is how the disciples felt. Jesus has been up on the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter, James, and John. And in the meantime, this father has approached the remaining nine disciples, questioning that they heal his son. Now, this is not unexpected. Both then and now, disciples should heal. And Jesus' disciples have done this before. Jesus had sent them out in twos to heal the sick and tell people that the kingdom of God is near. Luke 10, 17-20 tells us, The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you the authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and over the power of the enemy, over all the power of the enemy. Nothing at all will harm you. However, don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. I think the disciples maybe didn't heed the importance of that last part of the sentence because they were <clears throat> excuse me, so excited about what Jesus had told them. Um, but we know that they had cast out demons in Jesus' name. Jesus said that their work was defeating Satan and that he saw, he said that no demonic power would harm them because they had his authority. So when this father shows up with his ailing son, they're thinking, we've got this, we've done this before. Until they couldn't. They thought it was going to be just like me changing a tire. The father approaches Jesus now and asks, Will you heal my son? Your disciples couldn't do it. Now what is so wrong with this child that the disciples can't heal him? Well, actually it's not the child. Some Bible translations say that he has seizures or is epileptic or is a lunatic. To put the modern diagnosis of epilepsy onto this ancient text is faulty. When ancient people observed someone having a seizure, their doctors wouldn't say, 
this patient has a chemical or neurological imbalance in their brain. That's just not how they thought. This is why some translations use the term lunatic. Luna means the moon. In Greek, this father is literally saying, my son is moonstruck. Something is making his son physically unable to control himself from harm, and the father thinks it has something to do with the darkness or the moon. In this time, people believe that the darkness is one of the places where evil spirits live. Psalm 121, 1-7 says, I lift my eyes toward the mountains. Where will my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. Your protector will not slumber. Indeed, the protector of Israel does not slumber or sleep. Sleep at nighttime. The Lord protects you. The Lord is a shelter by your shelter right by your side. The sun will not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all harm. He will protect your life. So the moon is also pictured as a god in opposition to the God of Israel in Deuteronomy seventeen, two through five. It says, If a man or a woman in your one of your towns that the Lord your God will give you is discovered doing evil in the sight of the Lord your God and violating his covenant and has gone to serve other gods by bowing in worship to the sun, the moon, or all the stars in the sky, which I have forbidden. And if you are told or hear about it, then investigate it thoroughly. If that report turns out to be true, that this detestable act has been done in Israel, you are to bring out to your city gates that man or woman who has done this evil thing and stone them to death. So God had commanded his people not to worship the moon or any other celestial body, and God protects his people from the darkness and from the moon. This father's words indicate that he feels his son has a spiritual problem, not a physical ailment. And Jesus heals the boy by removing a spiritual infirmity, not repairing a physical one. I'm not saying that all epilepsy is caused by demonic influence. But the seizures of this child in this story is caused by an unclean spirit. And Jesus' disciples can't fix that. This boy has a problem, but the reason the disciples can't heal him is not the fault of the child or the father. And the disciples' inability to heal the child doesn't just keep the child in harm. It also impedes the journey of the father to Jesus. Let's read what the longer dialogue between the Father and Jesus is in Mark chapter 9. Mark 9, 17 through 24. Someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you. He has a spirit that makes him unable to speak. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams at the mouth, grinds his teeth, and becomes rigid. I've asked your disciples to drive it out, but they couldn't. He replied to them, You unbelieving generation, how must... How long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring him to me. So they brought the boy to him. When the spirit saw him, it immediately threw the boy into convulsions. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. How long has he has this been happening to him? Jesus asked the fa- his father. From childhood, he said. And many times it has thrown him into the fire or water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, If you can, everything is possible for the one who believes. 
Immediately the father of the boy cried out, I do believe. Help my unbelief. This father has been on a journey to a relationship with Jesus. He had enough belief to bring his son to Jesus for healing. But when Jesus' disciples couldn't heal his son, the father falls back into confusion. He's also fearful that his son can't be healed, even by Jesus. The disciples' inability to do the activity of Jesus is moving this father away from belief. But Jesus says, everything is possible for the one who believes. And the father says, I do believe. Help my unbelief. Part of me believes and part of me doesn't believe. Jesus, I need you to help me believe. And fortunately for the man and for the child and for us, Jesus always heals. Jesus says, bring the child to me. He rebukes the demon, which then comes out of the boy, and the boy is healed. It's not a peaceful healing, but it is a complete healing. So why couldn't the disciples heal the boy? They couldn't because in their arrogance, they never did the first thing that Jesus told the father to do. Bring the boy to Jesus. That's what all this series has been about, shepherding people to Jesus. Verse 17, Jesus replied, You unbelieving and perverse generation, how long will I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring him here to me. Jesus says this to the disciples. He calls them unbelieving. Unbelieving is the furthest away a person can be from Jesus. How can he call his own disciples unbelieving? The disciples had started to believe in themselves, but not in confidence, in arrogance. Jesus is busy up on the mountain, so they think they can just handle this. Jesus calls his disciples also a perverse generation. In our language and culture, perversion has the idea of sexual deviancy. That's not what Jesus is talking about. Perverse means distorted, usually in relation to the will of God. They are twisting or distorting the actions of God into the actions of people. That is arrogance. And arrogance prevents healing. It's not that they were trying to do evil. The disciples were trying to do good. But they were trying to do good by means of their faith in their own power instead of faith in Jesus. Jesus being up on the mountain should not have stopped the disciples from praying in his name. Just as Jesus being in heaven today does not prevent me from praying and acting in his name. The disciples ask, why couldn't we drive out the unclean spirit? And Jesus says it's because they didn't have faith in him. They had faith in themselves, and they couldn't accomplish anything. But even with the small faith in Jesus, faith the size of a mustard seed, a disciple can move mountains, a symbolic way of saying accomplish what is impossible for people, but not impossible for God. The non-Christian that you are doing life with, that you are shepherding to Jesus, It is impossible for me or for you to make them have faith, but I have faith in God to do it. It's impossible for me or us alone to build a multi-ethnic and multi-generational church, but I have faith that God can do it. If I can do 
any work on my own, it may not be a work of God. The activity that God wants is a mountain to move is when we say we tell the mountain to move. Jesus didn't say use your own strength and push the mountain, or if you have a bulldozer, then level the mountain. He said speak to the mountain and it will move, just as Moses was told to speak to the rock and water would come out. Now, Matthew 7.21 may be in italics or footnotes in your Bible because that verse seems to be added later. It's basically just the end of the story in Mark 9.29 being pasted on to the end of the version of the story in Matthew. And it says, this kind does not come out except by prayer. In trying to cast out this evil spirit and heal the boy, the disciples seem to have never prayed. They never invited Jesus or God the Father or the Holy Spirit into their actions. Remember, arrogance is believing I don't need help, especially from God, and it's arrogance that prevents healing. So when I was on the side of the freeway with that flat tire, this was before cell phones, B.C., and on the roadside was a call box. That's like an emergency-free public phone. I didn't have AAA, so I called the person I knew most likely to answer and was closest. It happened to be my pastor. He drove out with his truck and took a look, And he couldn't figure out why the tire wasn't coming off either. He went to his truck and got a 2x4 board and his big framing hammer. He got under the car and said, make sure it doesn't fall on me. (laughs) So while I held the car steady, he put that 2x4 on the tire rim and hit it as hard as he could with the hammer. Bang! 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 And on that third bang, we heard this crack and the tire rim came off. As near as we could tell on my old car, the wheel rim and the drum had rusted together and it took on, took an extraordinary force to break apart those two pieces which had become one through rust. I could have struggled all day without success or even hurt myself because alone I didn't have the tools or the help to do the job. In the same way in our story, the boy and the unclean spirit had become one leaving the boy unable to function. It took the extraordinary power of Jesus to break that bond and bring healing. Jesus, not me, is God-made man who lived perfectly, died and came to life again, who is the sacrifice for the disobedience of all people and the true king of heaven and earth. It is by his power that I shepherd people into a relationship with him. Our prayer today is taken from Psalm 90. Lord, let your work be seen by your servants, and let your splendor by their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be on us. May you establish for us the work of our hands. We ask this in faith in Jesus, the Son of God. Amen. May heaven's richest blessing come down on everyone who goes out following the good and beautiful shepherd himself to find the lost sheep, and to love and care for them. For beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news.